What up, peeps? Welcome to another episode of Nomadillas. In this episode, I get to talk to fellow Pasoan, Dr. Fernando Rodriguez. In this episode, we talk about our own whiteness, what it means to be pochismo, and how we are muy muy nowadays. Ha! I really hope you have a listen. Um, it's a really important episode. We do discuss our identities and what it's like to be gay and queer in El Paso. Have a listen, friends, and thank you for all your support. Bye. Bueno, doctora. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Dígame. Welcome to No Me Digas. No Me Digas. No Me Digas. Pero dígame, diga la gente, who are you? Who is Fernie Rodriguez? Oh my God. Okay, so primeramente muchas gracias por tenerme aquí. It is a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. Um, so I'm Fernie Rodriguez, or Dr. Fernie Rodriguez. Doctor, este... you were hard on that shit. Yes. So you are a doctor. I can curse, right? Of course. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, I just have to say how awesome it is to be sitting with another El Paso girl uh from the border in fucking minnesota in minnesota who would have thought and especially like another queer uh, so i just it's awesome yeah it's awesome um well that's how we i, I added you on facebook because yes you <laughs> <laughs> we have like mutual friends that I actually that I actually like. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah. then I love that you messaged me right away and you're like, um, do I know you? Yeah, because <laughs> I saw that you were from El Paso and I'm just like, I wonder what you would have to say about being us in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyhow, but yeah, El Paso, you know, I've been in Minnesota for 10 years now. Oh my God. Um, via New York City. Mm. So I finished my master's at, uh, at NYU. And um, I want to talk about being a poached Mexican <laughs> from the border, you know, or tú sabes como le dicen pochos down in El Paso, and so which I think, is can we talk about that word real quick? Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I mean, when like I don't get offended when you call me that, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. like when like you know like Mexicans are like it's pocho I'm like how oh, fucking dare you well because it's supposed to be offensive <laughs> yeah right yeah, the point yeah. of that word is that you are not a Mexican yeah right and it's mm-hmm. a reminder that being from the border um, the privilege of citizenship the privilege of like being able to I think claim dual um, belongings yeah that's that's pretty, I mean, I, I think it's a reflection of also a really painful history, right? So, yeah. like, and, and maybe we should clarify, like, how I am using the word bocho. Um, and so, like, the way that I understand it, being a bocho is those Mexicans who, when the border moved, right, um, suddenly they lost their, their connection to Mexico as a result of now being in a place that now is the United States. Mm. So you're yeah, right. It is a very offensive term, and I think like like we use it because you know we're 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 in community, and you know yeah. we we both are. I mean, technically pochos, yeah. um, but it is pochísimos. very pochísimo, <laughs> pochísimo. You know, and then it sounds cuter that way. <laughs> pochísimo. It is pochísimo. Totally, sí. totally. <laughs> but I mean, let's also so okay. Let's also put some characteristics right to what it means to be a pocho. Like first. Uh, loss of language yeah right we know mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the Mexican community in Texas specifically right were they had the Spanish whooped out of them yeah 
right? And I think for me, the only reason I'm able to speak Spanish fluently is porque mi papá solamente habló español. Mm -hmm. Él nunca aprendió inglés. Yeah. So en mi casa, yo siempre tenía que hablar español. Uh, but then the other piece is um, it gets to like the citizenship piece. Yeah. And that I think being from El Paso, the border, you know, all of the all of the spotlight right now that is happening there. Um, I remember, you know, me saying, oh, well, Mexican, Mexican, and Juarenos, mm -hmm. and all of these very, like, what I now recognize. Ronchi. Yes, yes. Because of, of the license plate. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, all of, at that point, they were, were they yellow? They were yellow. They were yellow, they were yellow right? Yellow, yeah. And, and, you know, I have to admit that, I, and maybe you can relate, but it very much was a, like, what are they doing in our, they're taking our parking spaces, <laughs> they're taking our, you know. Yep, at Walmart and Sam's. Mm -hmm. They were always there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that, I think, you know, over the years, I've reflected on how, you know, now, coming back to El Paso. Yeah. After being, being away for 18 years, mm -hmm. right, which, you know, I know, hopefully we can get into more, like, what does it mean to go back to a place that already rejected you? Yeah. From the beginning, where you didn't really belong in either, because mm -hmm. you're not American enough, right? But you're also not Mexican enough. But then to be 18 years in predominantly white institutions, yeah, um, you know, living in predominantly white spaces, Minnesota being the longest place that I've lived in that is predominantly white, and going back to El Paso and then being received as what we have talked about, the yeah. double pocho, yeah. right? Double whitewash. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So that... <laughs> So that is... Pochissimo um, doble Pochissimo you know? And it's like, what does that mean? Right? What does that mean to go back yeah. and, you know... Uh, uh, should I share the story? Yes, now? go ahead. You know, so, so uh, when we were talking, I was telling you about... Um, you know, I went back to El Paso down in April. Um, I was there doing some research... And I was out with a friend from high school. Hi, Adam Torres, Beller High School, class of 2000. Uh, I'm 2001, he's 2002. Um, and we were out at one of the bars down in El Paso, Epic. You know Epic. Yes, I do know uh, Epic. El Epic. El Epic. <laughs> Which and is not really Epic, sorry. It's not Epic. I mean, it depends on the night. Los <laughs> tripes. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we were out and, and his friend, whose name uh, is, is slipping me right now, is the, we're talking and we're talking about kind of like where I live and I'm out in Minnesota and all this stuff. And he makes a comment and he says, you know, if you hadn't said that you were Mexican, I would have thought that you were white. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so let's, let's, let's break that down for a little bit, right? <laughs> Especially because you, you look at your, you look in the mirror and like what I know no, but you know <laughs> when you think about what I just described about the characteristics of being a pocho right the loss of language the like not really belonging um, I understood what he was saying mm -hmm. you yeah. know this notion that you've lost your uh, Tejano accent the way that I speak Spanish is even different. Mm. Right. And just like how I embody uh, my identity has been and I have to I have to accept this has been largely assimilated into white dominant spaces, meaning that the way that I have operated in higher education has been predominantly white. The way that I have been socialized to be a scholar, an academic, a professional has been really, really white. And yeah. so what he was pointing out to me was all of those ways that over the last 18 years since I left El Paso, mm -hmm. right, um, 
how that has now been shaped when I go back to El Paso, where it's like, oh, now you're real, 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 real white. Yeah. You know, so I was, I mean, I wasn't offended. I was definitely surprised. Yeah. Um, Do you think it's a generational thing? Like, was he younger than you or was he? You know, he wasn't that much younger than oh, me. Okay. He was younger than me, but he wasn't that much younger than oh, okay. me. Oh, okay. Um, and I think what it is, is just like, kind of a, I, I don't know, maybe it was like, ¿Quién te crees? You know, and I and, and I didn't re- I don't I don't know that that was his 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 spirit that yeah. in which he in which he said it, but it was definitely a reminder to me of like oh shit, Fernie, like mm-hmm. you really don't belong. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I told you a little bit about Gloria and and the research that I do um, based on like occupying multiple worlds of like yeah. never really belonging we live in these luminal in-between spaces of yeah. tension right yeah. where like our identities and i'm including you in this but i don't know maybe you you disagree but like there is a, a an in-between existence that we have to operate within of not being fully on either side if you yeah. put it that way and then girl then you add gayness to that. That's a whole nother thing. Gayness, though. queer identity, like yeah. femme, like all of that stuff. Yeah. It only makes it more complicated. Yeah. No, I agree with you though. Like the thing is like, I never felt like I belonged even when I was like chi- mm. a child. Like, you know, I feel like as soon as I came out of my mother's womb, I was like, I don't belong. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, I don't belong. I don't belong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um. Um, it's interesting that we talk about this because I just I do remember like being in kindergarten and like just looking around and everybody looked like me because mm-hmm. you know in El Paso yeah. we're all Mexican uh-huh. especially uh-huh. in the Lower Valley shout out yeah. to the Lower Valley of El Paso hey, hey. hi mom anyway <laughs> but I just remember like being in kindergarten just like looking around just like not like nothing made sense to me mm-hmm. and I just I remember I always had these like out of body experiences mm-hmm. where I would be like is this really me? Is this really me talking? Is this really me like looking at people? Like, how much of that do you think was your recognition of being gay, though? Oof, I don't even know. Or queer? Which, I mean, at that point, which it might have been because I do remember, like, I I wanted to be a girl so bad, mm. like I really wanted to be a girl. Yeah, but yeah. um and that's that that leads to a whole other thing for like I thought I was trans for a long time uh-huh. but realizing that no I'm not trans because mm. I'm I'm not a I'm not a girl. Mm-hmm. I'm a boy that wants to be a girl. <laughs> you know, and that is there's a difference, you yeah. know. Well, but also that speaks to just like the very rigid gender norms that yeah. I think Mexican culture can often perpetuate, Ugh. right? right? Yeah. The idea that in order for me to like another man, then I have to be, you know, the opposite sex. Right. Yeah. Right? Cuz I remember wanting to be a girl too. I would yeah. put I would put freaking t-shirts on my head, girl. Yeah. <laughs> pretend that I had long hair. I used the towel for me and then yeah. I, and then I would get the cortina from my make a dress. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. That's so um um, I think about that time and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I was really kind of like grappling with what it means to have these feelings that I knew just were not okay. Yeah. Right. So talk yeah. about belonging or not belonging, but like, right. not only was it about nationality, was it about language? And for me, it was also class. Right. Oh, well, um, same. Like, yeah. you know, my mom's side of the family uh, was incredibly wealthy at that point um, in, in my childhood. So 
now adding like this recognition that wait I'm not liking girls mm-hmm. and people are having crushes now like in elementary when like people start having those feelings or the kids started having those feelings I'm like having crushes on like the little boys mm-hmm. and yeah. like not belonging in this role that I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be this little boy yeah right mm-hmm. why am I acting like a girl because I remember oh that would be tormented like they would call me girl, 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 like mm-hmm. in elementary. It was bad. Well, my last name's Chavarria, so mm. they, the boys would call me like Chavalita. Oh, and like, God, that's and so like, painful. Well, it was painful, but at the same time, I was like, I kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, like seriously, like I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I was like, yeah, how dare you? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, so like, okay, so now we're adults. <laughs> Mostly. Most of the time. <laughs> we're adulting. Uh, we're adulting. <laughs> we're, ad- we're adulting. What would you tell yourself? Ooh, I don't even know. Then. I well, I would say because um, you know, cause speaking of you know, uh, you know that whole like it gets better. Oh god. Oh my god. No, it gets different. It gets exactly, mm-hmm. and that's that's one thing that I would say is that mm. yeah, it's gonna suck, mm. but mm-hmm. you will survive, and eventually. Yeah you will be happy and you will be okay. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to be strong and you have to deal oh, with yeah, the yeah. bullshit, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you can't, you can't avoid it. Like the bullshit's going to be there yeah. and it's just, it's not your fault. It's mm. just, that's the world we live in and that's the situation that you were born in mm. and it's up to you to get yourself out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the, one of the issues with, um, with, well, with El Paso, I'm going to say this, it's one of the issues with El Paso is that a lot of people don't, uh, don't feel that they can get out. Mm. Like they're, they're stuck because that's what, that's what they're educated in. That's what, mm. that's what you're trained and to yeah, be. You're expected to stay. You're expected to stay. Yep. yep. As a, you know, it's about family. It's right. about, you know, if you're not going to get married, it's about moms and like being there to support your mom and all right. of this stuff. And yet, you know my story and you've shared a little bit about your experience but my story is you know my older brother eight years older um i was in probably high school my first year or second year in high school maybe even um the end of middle school my parents kicked him out of the house when they found out he was gay just like he had a 4.0 gpa at, at the university of texas el paso was doing great and he then suddenly overnight was homeless Right. Yeah. So like, I had to make a decision at that point. How old were you? I was so okay. Um, he was eighteen. I must have been ten. Oh, 11? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm eight years older. <laughs> Dude, I'm not a math major. <laughs> the, let's see, eighteen. No, just kidding. Um, but <laughs> but you know, I saw that. Yeah. And I knew that that is what was going to be my experience, mm-hmm. right? And right or wrong, I don't know if I was right. I don't know if my parents would have done that to me. I hope not, given yeah. you know, what he, my brother experienced. Mm-hmm. But that's the only reason I went to college. Yeah. Like I did, I've, as much as I wanted to stay in El Paso, because it's interesting, I actually would have stayed yeah. had my parents stayed separated. Because mm-hmm. you know, I told you about my, I don't know if I told you, my parents divorced two times, um, but once I knew that my dad, who was the regulator of masculinity, the regulator of these cultural norms about what it means to be a man, I was like, hell no. And mm-hmm. I left. Yeah. And school was my only way out. Yeah. Right? So you're absolutely right. I think that there is a, we're indoctrinated in El Paso to stay. 
mm-hmm. because of our culture, because of our mothers, because of the expectations that we have as men to yeah. be there and be providers. But then you add gay and queer identity to that, and it's 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 just, we we cannot fulfill that role in the same way. Right. right? So right. it's like, what do you do? Right. And. So when you talk about like school was your way out, mm-hmm. and another reason why it's hard to get out of El Paso is because El Paso has a school. Yes, <laughs> you're expected to go there. You're expected to go to mm-hmm. UTEP, the and University live at of home. Paso. Yep. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're supposed to do everything in El Paso because yeah. El Paso has everything mm-hmm. that you know that it provides for you. But at the time, what it didn't have for me was an opportunity to be gay. Yeah, well, I still think you it know? doesn't. I mean, actually, you, you lie. I mean, I lie because you said that you found that there are there are queer people in El Paso that are yeah. actually happy mm-hmm. living their lives. Which actually, I guess, I'm like, I know people that live in El Paso. That like, well, yeah, but también, you know, I think the circumstances are different there, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the, the people that are in, our, in El Paso who... There's a lot to be paid Mm-hmm. Let me just put it that way. You pay a lot to stay in El Paso and still try to claim your gay identity is the way that I experience it. Right? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of silence. I see a lot of hiding. I see a lot of really wanting to fit into heteronormative gender norms. So mm-hmm. like, sure, you might be gay and you might be out, but don't disrupt masculinity in the way that it is right. por- portrayed in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I think that's the other thing. The more I've been away from home, the more feminized I've been. Like I go home and I'm like super femme now. Like, and it, at least in my real, in my real kind of like embodiment of my identity, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. It's very different than how I act in the professional setting or like in the classroom even. Yeah. Um, at least I think, I don't know, maybe people just see me like, no girl, you're like, <laughs> you're like a real girl. But, but, I, but I do think I go to El Paso and I feel like pressure to be more masculine, whatever that means. Uh, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, okay. I mean, like, I, 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 I don't act the same in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very reserved. I'm very, I'm very quiet. Yeah. Like, and of course my clothing, it's very basic, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, which is not basic because I don't own anything basic. Thank you. That's just not who I am. But to your point. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, well, I, <laughs> I do bring this up because like every time I go home, like my dad will just mention something about my clothes. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, we'll just be sitting there and out of nowhere, he'll just be like, do you really wear those pants in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, they don't look very warm. And I was like, they're jeans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the very, the very first time I went back to El Paso, this was when I was living in, in Austin. I literally packed, quote, my straight clothes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what is my straight clothing yeah. attire? To... And that's normal for us, oh though. Gosh. Yeah, you know. and, and I remember when I started going back and I started being more queer. And by queer, I mean more like stuff that I wouldn't wear typically in El Paso, like more, to your point, tightly fitted, maybe yeah. some skinny jeans, maybe, yeah. you know. My father really was not having it. Mm. You know, he wouldn't mm-hmm. say anything because I think there was this like tension of like now I'm away from home and like how much could he actually regulate my right. my, my masculinity, um, but it, it certainly didn't make him comfortable. That's yeah. for sure. Mm. Um, so anyhow, so that's that's I guess those are my reflections about El Paso, but I want to talk about Minnesota. <laughs> if we must. If we must. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about what it what it is like to be you in Minnesota? Oh my God! Well, 
So it so here's the thing about Minnesota. It's um I mean I like it. I like Minneapolis. I started Fair. off in Saint, <laughs> I started off in Saint Cloud. Oh girl. Yeah, you know, I remember you saying White Cloud, Minnesota. White Cloud, Minnesota. For, I'm surprised I made it out alive because mm. uh, mm-hmm. A it's racist, mm. beyond homophobic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um like I almost, you know, I almost got beaten up a couple of times, but luckily I was with people oh that, you know, supported me. So like they're, they always protected me. Mm-hmm. So I never, I, it was rare that I was out alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, it was actually quite scary. Yeah. Um, but then moving to Minneapolis, it's like, oh, okay, this is more, it's more liberal. Well, mm-hmm. it's obviously more liberal here. And we do live in a bubble though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I mean, there's a lot of issues in Minneapolis, but it is very progressive, though. Yeah, um, yep, I agree. Um, and the the queer community, it's it's a big community. Um, it is segregated. I do, I do have oh, to say, unfortunately. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. But at least there is a community, though, because growing mm-hmm. up, El Paso had one, but it wasn't very big. It's bigger mm-hmm. now. Like they now have a pride parade. Which I know. I was yeah. Like, I would love to go to El Paso Pride. Mm-hmm. No? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll video it. YouTube, YouTube. I went a couple times though, because when I, I moved back as an adult, mm-hmm. for, and I was there for like a year, and I happened to be there for the summer, so I went to that Pride, and it was fun. It was it was small. It was right in front of Epic and like mm-hmm. um, the toolbox, like that street. Yep, like yep, they yep, blocked yep. off that whole street. Last three. Last three. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. Um, which that was the other thing too. I was like, holy shit, El Paso has like a strip mm-hmm. of gay clubs. Like, wow. Yeah. Progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun, but um, it was just, um, I, I just still didn't really fit in. Because that's one thing I do want to point out is that um, El Paso and also Phoenix. I went to Phoenix once mm-hmm. or, and like just was like noticing like the queer community is very machismo it's very masculine like i was overdressed even though Mm. i technically wasn't but Mm -hmm. you know compared to everyone else i was really overdressed and i didn't see any trans people there was very few trans people Mm -hmm. that i saw in phoenix and in el paso and actually still going back to el paso i it's rare that i see a trans person and there i mean they have to be there it's just it's incredibly transphobic Oh, beyond. Yeah, and the only, I feel like the only folks who are allowed, quote, uh, end quote, to be trans are uh, male to female drag queens. So people who are like, um, I'll say the word tokenized, but maybe that's not the right word. Um, Kind of like made into um, caricatures. Yeah. Right? In the Mm -hmm. community. Right? Yeah. Which I don't have a problem with that. Like I think drag queens are a beautiful part of, of, of our community as a whole and have a lot of history in there. My critique is about like full acceptance of trans identity, uh, 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 trans identified folks within the community. And yeah. I don't believe that that exists. No, I agree. Um, so before, before, we, before we touch about Minnesota, there's just one thing that I'm just very aware of because I know some El Pasoan that's there is going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, why are they trashing El Paso? Like, let me be clear. I am not trashing El Paso, right? I love El Paso. I think I, I actually fell in love again with El Paso with my research. Um, what I am, what I am trying to name is just kind of the various experiences of progress. Yeah. Right? Because you mentioned we're in a bubble here in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I agree. 
Yeah. Um, I there are lots of things that I feel more comfortable and confident with about my my gay identity and how I embody it here than I would ever feel down in El Paso. Right. Same. Same. And so and so I think for me progress looks differently, right? Like mm-hmm. just because we have gay marriage and just because we have all of these representations now in our media, right? When I go to El Paso, and one of the things that I think is really hard to be aware of if you don't leave, mm-hmm. is that it's not as progressive. as I think El Pasoans experience it because of the context, right? Just because of the context. And I think the other piece is Mexicanness. Mexicanness, (laughs) right? I think El Paso also exists in this luminal space, right? Of like the tension of progress and representation of queer people as a whole, but then also very traditional, anchored Mexican cultural tradition, right? Mm -hmm. So like that is one of the, that is what I am pointing out. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I love you, El Paso. I love El Paso. I love going back. I love eating rafas. Um, but I do think, for me, I'm growing more and more aware, right? Even through my research, right? That yeah. if, if when I go back, some of the same issues, homophobia, to your point, transphobia, um, hypermasculinity, heteronormativity, all of that still exists very in very very real real ways that yeah. I don't necessarily experience here. Yeah. Now here in Minnesota, it's about, oh, you're really Mexican and oh, now you're Latino spicy and the jalapeno, mm-hmm. all the shit that people have called. Oh me. my God, so jalapeno. Because <laughs> also you say jalapeno and not, how do they, how do white people say jalapeno? It? Jalapeno. Um, <laughs> I get I get that quite often. Um, one time I was dating this guy and we went to like Subway mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and I get like lettuce, tomato, and jalapenos and and he's like, oh, I just love the way you say that. Yes. And I was like, what? And he's like, yes. say jalapenos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you, you say it, you say it, and I'm like, correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and also like tortilla. Oh, you yeah. say tortilla so cute. And I was like this isn't cute this is just who i am right right at the same time like thank you so but even even in that story there's a whole lot packed into that right yeah for me i think because and let me speak for myself so because i grew up in el paso and having to navigate mexican and also american expectations my mom spoke english and spanish my father only spoke english right like so I learned both languages. Your father only spoke English or he only spoke Spanish? My father only spoke Spanish, okay, sorry. Yeah. Yes, only spoke Spanish. And so even now, I think that when I do speak Spanish, people are surprised. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. And, and, porque mi español no es perfecto, pero claro que es mucho más mejor que mucha de, las, de, de la gente que habla aquí. Mm-hmm. Este, la otra cosa que he reflectado es que en los 18 años desde irme del paso, mi español... No es perfecto, right? Mm. So my Spanish has slowly become... It's harder for me to uh, remember the words and to... So I've lost a little bit of it, but by and large, I can get by. Mm-hmm. Girl, I lost all of it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, yeah. you know, and I think and I, and I think that it, that speaks to kind of like the double whitewashing, right? Yeah. Where like, because I have been in predominantly white spaces and higher education spaces where like English is the language... I, I just speak English, right? And there are very few opportunities to actually speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that when, when people hear me speak Spanish or when there's a, a, a space, like one time there was a, I was, a, I was representing um, um, the university at a parent program and there was a Spanish speaking uh, couple 
and yeah. who needed help. And so I started speaking to them in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Well, the reaction of people around me were like, oh, he's Latino. It's like they forget, <laughs> right? They forget, like, in fact, I am a Latino mm-hmm. person. I'm Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, so again, this, like, how much of us and our identities and our Mexicanness is whitewashed in the spaces that we occupy just by being around white people right. or white spaces? Not to mention, I mean, the gay community specifically. And I say gay very specifically, right? Like right. when I go, you know, let's talk about saloon Latin night, uh, Latino night. It's on a fucking or Tuesday. And, well, if, isn't, it, isn't it also Friday sometimes? So maybe like the first Friday of the month, I think. Is it? But the point is, even in those spaces, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. like you show up and they really don't receive you as a Latino person. Mm, no, they really don't. And, and that is, it, it gets to colorism, mm-hmm. it gets to how well your Spanish is, mm-hmm. it gets to how you are dressed, right? Exactly. If you're not wearing the sombrero oh and the God. botas. Exactly. One time I went to the saloon on Latino night and I was wearing a bow tie because at the time I was really into bow ties. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And like... I, I was like, oh my God, there's a group, because there was a group of Latinos together, and I was like, oh my God, I should go talk to them, and I didn't, and I just like was like standing kind of next to them, and of course, what do I hear? Mira este con el moño, quien se cree? And I was like, oh. bitch. Muy, muy. Muy, muy. Yeah. I was like, que pendeja. But let's get into that a little bit, like, quien te crees? In the right, like what is that? Because for, for for folks who don't understand, like basically, Cantegres translates to who do you think you who are? Who do you think you are? Right, like a bow tie. Like is mm-hmm. is that itself a representation of whiteness? Right. And so, like bringing it into this Latin space, mm-hmm. right, that's been carved out for Latinos, quote unquote. Right. It's like, what are the expectations that people have around you showing up in that space? I mentioned the sombrero and the botas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, oh, that's how you know the Mexican Mexicans, <laughs> right? When I would go there, you know, I would wear my shirt or maybe even a button down. And even then, it was like, ¿Quién te crees? Right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I, there's just more behind that. And I think it's all about like, don't bring your whitewashed ass in here. Right, right. Yeah. Like if you're going to come in here, you have to, again uphold some of these like masculinity expectations right you're gonna be you're gonna wear the botas you're gonna wear the sombrero you're gonna speak spanish and you're gonna hold you know conduct yourself in a masculine way yeah right um but i don't know like did, did you just, just am i wrong or no you you're think? not it's like so anti-feminine and that's no, one thing yes. that, I, that i struggle with like still to this day because i don't understand it i don't understand what the issue mm. is with femininity mm. and like the latinx culture well mm. the mexican culture yeah like i yeah. don't get it what is so wrong with being feminine yeah. Because yeah. it's all, it's machismoism and because I mean you know you've seen the way Mexican men treat women uh-huh, you know uh-huh. yeah. and um, and sometimes it actually goes the opposite where um, there there be like straight men treat me mm. like a woman like mm. because I'm so feminine you know like the you know the the woke quote unquote woke uh, straight Mexican uh-huh, men uh-huh. they treat me like a woman and they'll they'll call me like mija like you know, Aya and you know and they they kind of they they kind of belittle me. Oh, you know I see what you mean. You know? Okay, yeah. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's it's a- easier to like understand, right? Yeah. It's easier to like fall into that gender role and instead of receiving you for all of your complexity. Right. Right. It's like, oh well I'm just going to fall into my my masculine role and treat you as yeah. though you were 
quote a woman right, right? yeah like, interesting yeah and yeah. and that's when like the patronizing comes in mm. the man you know what is it mansplaining mm-hmm. is that what they call it mm-hmm. yeah and it's like what <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. granted like now i don't identify as male nor female mm-hmm. but i mean mm-hmm. um and try explaining that oh, <laughs> right. that's a whole other thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yes the whole the whole thing of femininity is it's it's like it, it's so weird to me. I don't understand what the issue is. Yeah, I think I think well one I, I don't know that I think there are many 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 issues right. uh, <laughs> many because I, I do think also and this is just my 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 own experience. I think there are class implications there. Right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think if you come from a poor community the way that I do, um, it, it, it's like there is a, a higher price to your masculinity period. Yeah. Right. Because as the man, you know, you have to provide for the family. You have to, um, and and I don't really use machismo. I use kinghood. Right. Like you have to be el rey, mm-hmm. the king. Yeah. Right. Um, but and so I I do think that that is replicated in spaces like the saloon Latin night. But then the other piece is like I think feminine feminized masculinity um, or masculine. That's that's a term that I that I've come to use in my research. Like being a masculine person. Um, directly is a threat to somebody else's masculinity. Mm-hmm. So like my embodiment of feminine characteristics, either through the tone of my voice or to how I conduct my body, right, is a direct threat if somebody else is associated with me, right? So my femininity, the way that I embody femininity to someone who adheres to traditional masculinity expectations their association with me now somehow diminishes their masculinity. Yeah. And so there is, a, a, you know, this, there's another term that's, that's starting to be used a lot, and that is uh, femphobia. Femphobia. Mm. And part of the reason why I don't use that term with the community is because it's a white term. Yeah, right? I actually yeah. do think it is um, flamboyant. Like there's a there's a resistance to flamboyance. There's an anti-flamboyance kind of in, in the culture, um, and maybe it is femphobia. Yeah. Um, but then the I think the other the other dynamic when we add gay identity uh, specifically and you know using gay very intentionally is it gets into these sexual roles. Yeah. Yep, right. Exactly, and like. Yeah. Okay, so like it always leads to sex. Yes, <laughs> always, always but leads you to know sex. because it's like, gosh, you can't be femme and be a top, or you can't uh, be femme. You know, like the, again, I think the the cultural gender expectations are replicated amongst the queer community, and now I'm using queer more broadly, but but it's like that. It's like well, it so it because you embody femininity more, then you better be a bottom. Right. And that this is how I'm, I'm going to enact my masculinity onto you because I am the top. Right. right. So even, even, even that is like upholding cultural mm. gender norms and expectation. The other thing I want to talk about though, because I know you want to get a word in. You didn't think, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going to talk so much. I was like, no, see, but it's like, what about white folks who are in those spaces? Right, and their exotification of the whole damn thing, right? I know. It just feels like they're there for entertainment. <laughs> Actually, one time I was, I wouldn't say I was dating him, but we were like talking, and he was really into the notion of like me becoming like a wife, you know, mm. me becoming like oh. a Mexican housewife. Oh my gosh, you know? las tortillas yeah, y las gorditas y los, y todo y los, eso. Y los tamales. Like, he asked oh me to make tamales for him, like, I don't know how many times, and I was like, absolutely not. You know how long it takes to make mm. tamales? Like, oh my you're not worth it. Really? <laughs> yes, it was interesting. so interesting huh. because 
he grew up i forgot where but he grew up in a primarily like mexican neighborhood mm. and um he just he just he loves the mexican culture because it's so welcoming oh, and it's so it's so humble and you know interesting and the mexican women like they're so nice and like you know they cook for you and they take care of you wow and, and that's just what i want i'm like clearly it didn't mean my aunt <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, clearly yeah. you don't know some other people I know. Right. They'll cut your ass. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, bitch, there's a, there's more to it than mm, that. But also, yeah. like, what is this? Like, what do you think the Mexican culture is, and what do you what do you think I am mm. though? Uh-huh. And why do you think I would ever agree to any of that? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. No. Well, okay. So here's the other thing. Like, the other thing is, I think white men specifically expect us let me just t- speak for me you can go say on. if you agree go on girl expect <laughs> me to be like ooh a white guy is interested in me <gasps> i oh, you know the blue eyes yeah. and the, uh, you know there is this like i'm white and yeah. you should be interested in me just because i'm white and don't you like you know the you know the whole notion of like marrying up and all of this shit mm-hmm. and i i think that has a lot to do with it you yeah. know like when i see white men interact particularly with other Latinos, and and actually, I think I'm gonna extend that broadly to other men of color. Yeah, there is a, an air, an essence, or a, an arrogance, or supremacy. Using those words very intentionally, to how we are supposed to respond because a white man expresses interest in us. Yeah, and I think that is fucked up. It is beyond fucked up, and I completely yeah. agree with you though, because mm-hmm. it's so because I experience it. Mm-hmm. I experience mm-hmm. like these white men, like you know all cocky and shit yeah. like expecting me to like swoon mm-hmm. and you know minnesota is the only place that i have ever dated white men oh really? and every time it was a fa- a, a awful failure awful experience not yeah. to say that it won't work because that's oh the- no it won't work <laughs> <laughs> it just won't work <laughs> it just won't. But the thing is that i bring that up because mm-hmm. there i have i do have a lot of next friends that um are in relationships with with white people. Sure, sure. And the thing is, like, and I mean, like, they have their issues and that's one thing that um, I do want to point out is because for me, like, dating white men, I'm kind of over it. Mm -hmm. You know, not to say that I won't ever, but Mm -hmm. especially here because that's all there is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but it's like, it's it's different, it's difficult. It's different and difficult. However, if, if it's the right person, um, I think you can make it work. You just have to work at it. Yes. And I yeah. want, I love that you give that caveat, right? Because, you know, I, I'm being flippant in like my, <laughs> <laughs> like my own experience. Because you're right. You're, uh, you're absolutely right. Case yeah. by case. And I think because, you know, when you go to the saloon, when you go to, you know, Lavender Thursdays, when you go to uh, Lush, when you go to, you name it, whatever yeah. uh, LGBT, well, no, let's just focus on the G at this point, gay created space. Um my overall experience has been and you know by the way these white men that you are talking are probably not in those spaces no just also let's just also be clear about that but there is this um exotification of men of color Mm -hmm. um there is a tokenization of men of color there is a minimization i think of um 
cultural um, richness, mm-hmm. right? And what I have experienced is that suddenly I become someone's experiment. Oh my God. Or someone's uh, spice of the night, if Ugh. you will. Yeah. Right? Which, you know, I mean, it depends. You want to flirt with me? Cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll flirt, you know, but I think that what I have experienced in my own relationships with white, white men has been a true, like, domination, like wanting to be dominant, mm-hmm. um, not understanding my cultural role as a man in my family and in El Paso and like kind of like what it means to be a low income first generation Mexican. Yeah. Right. Um, and ha- and like oh, money, we, we should talk about money. Like, you know, why are you giving money to your family or why are you doing this? And it's like, wow, you really think that you can critique that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're... Yeah, they believe they have the right to yes. critique it. Yes. Yes. Because uh-huh. you're not as you're not an equal to them. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that they don't understand. And that's actually the thing is that white people don't really understand. Not all white people, but like a lot of white people that mm-hmm. they don't understand that. That's how they treat us. They don't treat us as equals, mm-hmm. even though to them they think that they are, but they're really not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's sort of a like um like my experience has been in my relationships that my former white partners give themselves the liberty to critique my cultural background, my cultural, the way that I move through the world. And that I think that's the biggest problem, right? Instead of understanding, instead of um, being willing to just like accept stuff that you won't ever understand, because that's the other piece, right? You will never understand some of the pieces that I hold as a first-gen Mexican-American right. uh, gay man, right? So don't try to understand them, right? right? Just support it. And respect it. Mm -hmm. And respect it. Yeah. And And I think that's like the, it's all about respect, really. Like, that's, I mean, for me, me, that's what I want. I just need you to respect who I am. I need you to respect my culture. And I need you to respect that I am equal to Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I don't want to lose is what it means to now be in Minnesota and the double whitewash, right? Mm-hmm. Like coming from El Paso, not belonging yeah. there, spending so much time away from home, like being in many ways assimilated into yeah. like uh, Americanness. Yeah. And I do that in quotes. Yeah. Right? So let's go back to what it means to then go back to El Paso, mm-hmm. knowing that we have, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use we for this one, but knowing that we have changed quite a bit yeah. um, because of the fact that we are now in, you know, white Minnesota and we go back there like what are some of the tensions that you experience going back there in terms of this like double whitewashedness yeah. right well I think you and I have like different experiences because you left when you were 18 yeah right, I right. left when I was 23 yeah yeah because mm-hmm. I I stayed and I helped support my family while I was going to, to school mm-hmm. and then eventually I graduated from El Paso Community College yeah. and then moved to St. Cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there's there's a lot of trauma there. So yeah. for me going back, it's I mean even though like things are better now, mm-hmm. like family situation, El Paso is better, like yeah. in a way. Um, but there's still trauma there, and there's sure. it's things that I cannot get over. I'm working mm-hmm. on it, yeah. but like, yeah. I, I can't get over it. So it's just as soon as I like land in El Paso, like the trauma, mm. just like it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I mean, for me, that's why it's difficult going back. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's just nothing. Like it's just like for for my parents live and like the places that I go. It's like it, 
nothing changes. Like it's yeah. it's, it's the same people. Like, actually, going to the club, I was like, you bitch, you are still going to this club. Like really? you're still here. Like you're still here for one night. You know. And there's nothing mm. again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I feel like I'm judging. <laughs> like I'm not judging. It's no. Just, I mean. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's just um, I. I just I I think what it is is that so many people in El Paso didn't expect me to be successful. Uh-huh. Okay, so here's the thing. So I go back to El Paso and I go back around the holiday. Yeah. Right? Which I think is also important because around the holiday all of the people who left El Paso are back. Are back, yeah. So that's I, why I, I go in January. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think okay, so when I go back to El Paso, I do notice. Well, one, there's just like structural differences. Yeah. Right? Like that downtown area has oh my, significantly it's been revitalized. Gorgeous. It's now. Amazing and beautiful. The fucking alligator has like a whole I thing know, around it. Like, I, I know. Like, I was like, what the fuck? So, like, you know, I have to, you know, acknowledge that now I'm like, I'm going back down there. And actually, when I go back down to El Paso, I stay at the Indigo Hotel. Right, we've talked about yeah. this. Like, I get a, a cute little hotel room for the weekend, and you know, I like go out to all the clubs and restaurants down there. But one of the things that I do uh, that I feel is different is um, I think folks are more willing, at least in the in the safe space of the club, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, and I say maybe it's not as safe, but for some, it's safer. There is more of a willingness to be mm, more queer. Yeah. Right? And I'm seeing, um, you know, younger, and I use, you know, I'm I'm 36, so like, yeah, the younger generation be extra queer and like Mm -hmm. dancing and claiming their gay identity and like going, like tipping the strippers and like, you know, and, and that is something Or being stripper. Being <laughs> You know, and that is... It's... It, so there is... I do see the, the evolution of, yeah. like... But notice I'm just using gay, mm-hmm. right? Like, gay... And because I also think it's interesting, like, who... Who, who is progress for? And I think right. oftentimes when there were, when there are cultural norms that it's it begins liberation I think starts with the men and right. I think it's fucked right and, and then you identify as gay because mm-hmm. I identify as queer mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. so for me I'm not gay yep yeah yep. and, so and that's again, why it's like who is it for right and then again then explaining gay. that to yeah <laughs> yep. so many things explaining and that see, and even in El Paso like yeah. I don't know that the word queer is is a term that is accepted mm, I don't know I don't use it over you there. know it is it, it still has a very negative undertones yeah. in that and I would say just in that geographic location yeah right? like the term queer isn't something that has become that term of empowerment right yeah right? especially down in the border it mm-hmm. very much is still a a an offensive word that people that people use there mm-hmm. um but you know back to uh, part of my experience has been like yeah gay men particularly right are starting to feel more um empowered to claim their gay identity in ways that i haven't seen at least over the last several years since yeah. we've gone um, but then the other piece that 
I think just for me, like the difference between being like in Minnesota and being down in El Paso, this is gonna be like super petty, but like the music is better. <laughs> like the music is just better. Well, right? yes, I agree with you hundred percent. It is way better. And 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 like even being there, like the hybridity of what it means to be in this space, and you know, El Paso is a special place, right? This in between luminal existence. It's like you have Beyonce mixed in with. You know, Alves Crespo mixed mm-hmm. in with, with Talia, with, Talia. And yes. with some Madonna in with, there and, and Shakira, Shakira, yes. not Shakira, right? Shakira <laughs> and like, and I, I think even just the music itself mm-hmm. is representative of um, a very beautiful hybridity that I think, um, for me, I didn't appreciate until uh, until really you left. Recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah same. And it, no, and I mean, I was like, I, I mean, with different experiences, but I very much hated El Paso when I left. You know, and my trauma was different, right? Yeah. It was feeling really resentful mm-hmm. for not having the option to stay. Yeah. Because had things been different, had my family reacted differently to my brothers, uh, my brothers coming out. I, I don't know that I would have left. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, I think going back to El Paso, doing my research there and learning about, you know, uh, I've told you a little bit about my research, these six young men, Danny, Teddy, Christian, Eddie, uh, a ver quien más, Luis N and Luis Gerardo, hello. Um, they really gave me the gift of what is it like to be gay men mm-hmm. in El Paso who stayed yeah. who are, you know, struggling, many, and succeeding at the same time. Yeah. So the tension, right, of yeah. like being being a gay man on the border with all of the cultural weight mm-hmm. of what it means to be men there, Yeah, um, I think has been for me um, healing. Yeah. yeah, it's been healing in, in, in many ways. And I would love to end up there, right? You know? Yeah. But I think... I think what I'm very aware of is how much I don't belong there anymore. And yeah. by belong, I mean like in all of the ways that we've already talked about, like through the language, through my Spanish, through even my skin tone, because I am, I am many shades lighter. Same. Well, that's because we don't get sun here, <laughs> right? You know, right. like yeah, because I go back home, and you know, my parents are like, "Are you don't even look Mexican anymore?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Thank you, parents." Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like, what is in look Mexican? What does it mean to look it just Mexican? Means, it just means dark. you don't look dark. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what they're saying. You know, yeah, it's true. But it's true. so for me, because you know, you you want to go back to El Paso versus for me for like I don't yeah. ever, uh-huh. and that uh-huh. to me like it's kind of it's a nightmare for mm. for me to go back. Yeah. But again, if I if things happen and I go back, then at least I'm happy to know that it's become more progressive. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so you can make it in El Paso. You can be successful in El Paso. It's just for me, there is so much trauma behind it that I just I, I can't I just I can't go mm-hmm. back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because for me. I never felt I could have been successful because I was always told that I couldn't be successful in the ways that I wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I could have stayed at that call center for I was working at for six years and yeah. I could have became, you know, I was already a manager at that point. And yeah, I could have became like the VP eventually if I would have stayed and worked hard. But I didn't want that. I yeah. wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be, yeah. I wanted to do theater. Yeah. And doing theater in El Paso, what was like the highest I could have gotten? Like, yeah. 
the university. I yeah. could have became a theater teacher, a theater professor, which again, nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I wanted. Your vision was bigger. I wanted more. Yeah. I yeah. wanted, you know. But that also is, I mean, the way, one, I mean, I think that, that that's just so like representative of the tension yeah. of, you, you know, you could have stayed at the call center. You yeah. could have in many ways fulfilled your role as the man in your family. Yeah, got into that VP level, made really good money, and it and, and got were, into the VP mm-hmm. level, not the president level. Yeah, because <laughs> again, you know, mm, you, the you, limits. You, you, there are limits. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but like that would have been perfectly fine for your family. Yeah, and you would have been celebrated as the man, and right. they would have never ever had a problem with gay identity so long as you were providing right, exactly. and being. But your vision was more queer. Right. Yeah, I wanted to be queer. You wanted to be queer. I mean, you wanted, you know, and that is, I think, the price, right, that we pay for wanting something different. Right. And falling out of line right. with what we are expected to do as men. And that is the one, and you, you know, just talking about this, like, that is the thing. You can't, you can't be queer in El Paso. Yeah. You can be gay. Yes. But you can't be queer. You can be gay, but only to a certain extent. You can right. be gay so long as you look straight. Right. Look Ugh. and act straight yeah. and have, you know. Ugh. And, that, and that's, yeah. what, that's what uh, the six young men in my study gave me. You know, yeah. that's, when, that's how they actually describe the campus. Right. Sure, you can be gay, but don't fuck with my, my idea of masculinity. Right. Don't come in here wearing your booty shorts. <laughs> don't come in here, you know, no. Yeah. You you are gay, but fit this heteronormative masculinity ideal. Right? Mm-hmm. Make the money, like be butch, mm-hmm. do the sombrero, like don't wear tight jeans, you know, and that is oppressive. Beyond you oppressive. And, and I think folks who, you know, one of, one of the guys in my study really challenged two of them, challenged all that shit. Like, they were hella queer and fucking gay. Like, they, they said it. These are their words. Right? Um, and they inspired... Like, they, they, they didn't give a fuck. Right? Yeah, but, and that's amazing. But... But how many of them were there? Well, well, the, well, <laughs> yeah. well but... But the, what, the, what was interesting is, yet, in the midst of their queerness and femininity, their families still ignored their gay identity. Of course. It was yeah. still silent. It was yeah. still not acknowledged, right? Um, they clamored to their successes, right? Again, like always reaffirming these masculinity norms. Like, oh, bring success to the family. Pride, pride, orgullo, orgullo. And um, I, there, there's a price, right? There's a price to be paid. Um, we, did, we haven't even touched on, maybe this is another episode, like we haven't even touched on the guilt of what oh it means to leave El Paso, of what it I means t- to be gay and queer and to not, you know, I mean, the guilt, I think, is a... Is a it's difficult, mm-hmm. and I deal with it every fucking day. Yeah, but, and you're reminded every day. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. like, in various ways, mm-hmm. right, of, like, how, how in, in, how you've let your family down. Yeah. You know? And now I'm about to cry, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> but it's... But it's, it's real. Tr- it's very real. It's real. Um, but it's, it's again, it's it's the price you pay to be yourself. <laughs> Which and that's and I think that's the one thing that pisses me off. It's like, why mm-hmm. do I have to pay such a high price 
just to be myself. And even that, though, is is from the border perspective, a whitewashed ideal. Yeah. You, yeah there is exactly. no self. It's Ex- all about the family. It's, it's all about, about the culture. Exactly. It's all community, right? Exactly. So even exactly. that is like, oh, pues, ¿qué te crees? ¿Qué te crees? La muy muy. La muy muy. You know muy. what I mean? Oh, you think you can go off and be yourself? That's not, that's not, that's a white, that's a white, that's a white kind notion. of notion, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and so like, it's, it's in constant contradiction, Yeah. right? So like, okay, so now you want to go and get an education. Well, you left us here. Now, let me be clear. Like I, I my mom supported me a lot. I know it was really hard for her mm. for, to see me leave, but like, I also know that she knew that this is what was best for me. Mm. Right. Um, but that doesn't release the guilt no. that was already embedded in me because of my upbringing, because of what I understood my 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 role was as a man. Yeah. Right. So um, you know maybe that would be the follow up ep- episode, yo. Like, and we can well, definitely. How do you say guilt it. in Spanish? How do I say guilt? In- uh, yeah. How do we say guilt in Spanish? What's oh my god, word? I don't know. I don't know either. <gasps> I did. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's to be continued. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I, I, see what I mean? There yeah. you go. There is the pocho experience. Somos pochísimos. Right? Pochísimos. Right? <laughs> pues muy guilty. Pues muy guilty. <laughs> I mean... Porque somos muy, muy now. Per- there is a perfect example. We can't even say guilt in Spanish. <laughs> we don't even know. I mean, guilty. Guilty. No, we'll get to no, that. We'll get to that even it'll, it'll come up. It'll come up. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think... Um, oh, I mean... Minnesota, it, it has truly whitewashed me, you know, and yet, and I see it in you, and I know that it's in me, and yet we are still Chicanos, border people from El Paso. Right. You know? And we um, always will be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I do want to say this. Um, yes, I know, it sounds like I'm talking so much shit about El Paso, but it's just you have to understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. El Paso hurt me, you know. Yeah, like, for sure. At the same time, El Paso made me who I am today, mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, bueno pues, doctora. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. And I do, I do want to end it with this. Like, I, I want to ask you, like, so what do you want to tell your people? What do you want to tell la comunidad? Mm. Que decir a la gente. Yeah, um, I think that we have to continue to push and dismantle the oppressive aspects of our culture. We have to. You know, not all pieces of our culture are beautiful. There are lots of pieces of every culture, but I'm going to focus specifically on Mexican, Mexican culture. There are a lot of pieces that we need to challenge and that we need to dismantle. And I am working to dismantle this notion of what it means to be a man. Of, of que, que quiere ser el rey, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so for me, I think that that's that's that is our call for folks. Whether you're in, you're in El Paso or whether you left El Paso, wherever you are, right, working actively to challenge our families to have really important conversations about um, sexism, about hypermasculinity, about homophobia, about transphobia, about you name it. Right. Like um, I in, in, in my dissertation, one of the things that um, the six men in my study um, made me really realize as I think about even my brother's experience, we are cultural mediators. Yeah. The first in our families to challenge masculinity norms, the first in our families to challenge this notion of you have to stay and you have to be the breadwinner, the first in our families to go to school, the first in our family, you name it. 
we are the ones who mm-hmm. are able to say no i'm not doing that i'm doing this right yeah. and no you have to deal with my gayness my queerness my transness my fill in the blank right yeah. you have to deal with it and um and that's our charge as first generation folks right okay. um and so i think that i love you el paso um, don't forget that being a cultural mediator is damn hard. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hard, uh, but it needs to be done. That yes. is the only way that we have true progress. And also, if you know how to say guilt in Spanish, please let us know. Yes, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> All right, then. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.